if everyone is doing their own thing, what's most comfortable to them, there's got to be some sort of forcing, forcing function for collaboration. Call it office hours, call it mandatory hours, just because there's a synchronicity. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch podcast. That's Rich Mason, president and CSO at Critical Infrastructure, LLC, investor, advisor, and former CSO at Honeywell. Rich is joined with me today by Michael Santarcangelo, founder and president at Security Catalyst and 25-year veteran of the industry. Now, Rich and Michael both bring a great amount of expertise to the show, and both are proving my theory that they are two of the deepest thinkers in cybersecurity. Note that this episode is part two of a two-part series called Tired Topics in Cybersecurity, so please do check out last week's show for some context. Before we dive in, I wanted my listeners to know that I have launched a consulting practice. Allen Offered Consulting is available to help you with your cybersecurity program, to get it off the ground, to help manage it, measure it, articulate its value, I'm also available to mentor and coach aspiring and soon-to-be CISOs. So if you like what you hear on the show, check out alanalford.com for more details. That's A-L-L-A-N-A-L-F-O-R-D.com. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford. All right, gentlemen, Michael Santarcangelo, Rich Mason, welcome back for part two of Tired Topics in Cybersecurity. Cyber Ranch Podcast, we deliver tired topics. All right. Let's dive right on in. <laughs> We're getting some it's a, smiles on It's that a one. beautiful tagline. Yeah. <laughs> we deliver tired topics. Defining terms is, is one that we get into a lot. People that haggle and hassle over defining these terms. And I'll pick some favorites. Uh, hacker versus cracker. Um, let's see here. Cyber versus InfoSec. Cybersecurity versus information security. Uh, ML versus AI. Uh, zero trust. What the heck does it even mean in the first place? So we get into all these tired conversations about defining these terms. And every time zero trust comes in, you know, to the topic, somebody will inevitably, oh, it doesn't mean anything. Blah, blah, blah. You know, ML versus AI. That's not really AI. It's really, you know, that's not really ML. So uh, who wants to go first? How do we tackle this one? Happy to start. All right. Uh, so uh, I, I guess... So we're calling this a tired topic, right? And and so we said this last time, this is not to say it's not important, especially for newcomers, right? Uh, we want to be welcoming to newcomers that come into the industry. There should be a point of reference uh, that we can point people to, to go look these terms up. Uh, so I'm not discounting that. In fact, um, there's a style guide. I thought Bishop Fox did a great job of it. You can look up their style guide that define all of these terms. Uh, and so maybe that's a good place for all of us to point folks to. Uh, what, what I take exception to is that every post has to be about this, and it almost feels like it's an intentional debate that causes dissent of, of is a hacker a good guy or a bad guy? Is it a white hat hacker or a black hat or a gray hat? Uh, and we sort of fall into these traps of the same uh, tired debates uh, without actually moving the, the puck forward. So, yeah, I see that. So zero trust, uh, you know, obviously people love to pile on the vendors for zero trust. Um, it is an architecture. It's not a product. Uh, but once you understand that philosophy, that architecture and how products can align to that, I think there is a space for, um, for a vendor to raise their hand and say, Hey, we fit into this. If you're thinking about, if you share this philosophy, if, if you're architecting to this vision, uh, this is how we fit. This is how we play. 
Um, so I, I think there's value in that. And, and, you know, maybe that's the recommendation here is let's point people to a style guide for, for definitions, and then let's actually move the conversation forward and, and actually talk about implementation and roadblocks and how to help us get out of each other's way. Right. And instead of haggling over uh, what does XDR mean, we can we can understand its spirit, its intention, and talk about how we can forward the progress to meet that goal if that goal is worthy, right? The conversation should be about what's the purpose, not what's the term, right? And we should push back on Gartner and the vendor community and the marketing folks that love to create new spaces so that they can say they're number one in a quadrant of one. Right. Uh, but the, I think our industry needs a better mechanism to push back and say, we don't we don't need a word for this. We've we've got plenty of words that describe this and it aligns to an existing architecture. So let's just call it that. Well, yeah, I think that some of the challenge, too, is that we, we introduce these new words and they have a meaning to somebody, but not everybody. And the meanings are different. And then we create that dreaded friction, right? It's, it's what some people call insider language. So instead of saying jargon, it's insider language. It's, it's got meaning to you and you feel like you're very precise with it. That's why we argue whether it's this or that. But what I look at, and this is the direction you, that we were already heading is what's the outcome, right? You guys already know. I yeah. love asking what's the problem we're trying to solve. Okay, well, but it's blah, 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 blah. It's MLA. No, 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 no. What problem? what, right? And it goes back to, these are the basics, right? What problem? Why is this important? How are we going to do it? Right? So to your point, Rich, if we already have an existing infrastructure or an architecture, and it's already documented, draw it out, show it to somebody and say, how does it fit? But by the way, that's a really good lesson for anybody. I'm still amazed at the number of people when I start asking these questions, and they'll say, well, I don't know. So well, you got a picture? No. Can we can we start with one? I mean, picture pages level is fine. Like whiteboard with markers, just just please don't please don't cross the streams. Like like Ghostbusters, like your red marker shouldn't start suddenly drawing in brown because everybody ran it over the black marker. Like stop, stop, stop. But there's one other piece of this too. It's the framing. I think what we get lost in this is that framing. So we get we get wrapped up in these buzzwords like zero trust. I've I've tracked it from the beginning. I like it as a concept, but but think about what we just did. We took something that people want, trust, and we added a negative in front of it, zero. I I get it. Oh, no, but the president called for it. It's okay, fine. But but here's the thing. Didn't we learn anything from least privilege? I love it as a concept. I hate trying to sell it to somebody. Well, listen here, guys. What we're going to do is give you least privilege. That is an automatic, I hate you, no. <laughs> you know, and it's like, what are we What are we doing here? How do we do this differently? It just, it doesn't get us where we want to be. So I think that sidestepping the buzzwords is important. Listening to the language of your business is important. Uh, but then do, do think about the framing just a little bit. I, I guess high trust was already taken and that's why they went zero. <laughs> But I, but I think that's actually what you get when you implement a zero trust architecture. What you get is high trustworthiness, right? You get a, uh, a, a trustworthy uh, architecture. And, and so it's unfortunate that there's a negative. Uh, I just wanted to echo one thing you said, which is, the, um, which is the outcomes, right? So I've helped some vendors in the past and particularly some in the AI space. Uh, and I'm a big believer in, in- I think it was ML, Rich. Wasn't it ML? It, yeah, it was well, ML. It wasn't real AI. It, it was, it was actually it was actually deep learning, so we can go even one step further. Than that. Um, okay, but it only matters if it's the quality of the data, Rich. You didn't talk about that. <laughs> well, so I, but I've I've even been on a on a panel before, and I said something that I think made the the CEO's blood boil. And I said, "Look, um, don't buy AI, right?" <laughs> and he's like, "What? I said, buy outcomes." 
and so once we all agree on the outcome and the measurement of that outcome, yep. hey, if AI is the horse that wins us that race, then bet on that horse. But don't bet on the buzzword. Bet on the outcome. Right. Out, outcomes first. Purposes, I think, is, is necessary to get to outcomes. And then terms last, right? So I'm going to invent negative trust, where it's not only that I don't trust you, but I actively resent you. <laughs> that's, you know what? That's, that's what happens with too much friction, is that you get negative trust. You, you negative not trust. only erode value, you destroy trust, and you burn people out. So There you go. All right, so All right. Did, you, did you trademark that? If we ask our government, they're going to call it uh, uh, active distrust. I think that's going to be the... Uh... <laughs> Active distrust. To make oh, your head spin, it. yeah. I love it. Active distrust. What, what That's quadrant it. That's is that in? It's, it's a, it, there's no competition. It's one of one. You have to add a DR on the end of it, though. Active trust DR. So active active distrust That's DR. Right. ADDR. As a service. And, uh, yeah. and now it's a quadrant. As a service. Now it's a quadrant. All right. We're going to get into the most tired of all. CISO versus CISO versus CISO. Versus, I don't know what all's out there. Michael, I you pronounce first. it. I pronounce it security leader. Oh, because I, I I never know. I, but I will say, like when I hear Sizo or Sizo, I'm always like, what What are you talking about? So I guess <laughs> have it's you, just like, have you been gone for a while? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been there, there a, on a the, desert the, island. The, the, there was a time when when I, it was a Sizo and Sizo, and I sort of heard them fifty fifty. I never yeah. really heard a I never really heard a CISO. Uh, but but you know when this comes up again it feels it feels like a trap and so you can say what tribe you're from and I think there's now even t-shirts that let you go to Defcon and say whether you're a CISO or a CISO guy. Um, but instead of just debating what we're called, I'd like to focus on whether we're called, right? And and whether we're at the right tables. And I guess that's going to go into the fourth topic so I I might hold till there, but um, you can set your brand aside of what people are calling you. My my boss, my one of my my first corporate bosses uh, was ex FBI, and, and maybe this is a little bit too um, manipulative, but he liked to put all of the other executives in quadrants, uh, measured on on these two axes of their influence and your relationship with them. And, and he was like, "Oh, you're you're too heavy in this uh, bad relationship and no influence, right? You got to focus on these people in this quadrant." Uh, and I don't think you should. That should be the only model you you measure your relationships by. But I think it's a good exercise to see, uh, regardless of what you're called, whether you whether you've got those relationships, whether they're calling you, and calling you about the important stuff, not the mundane stuff. You know the thing you said there that I love is it's not what we call ourselves; it's whether they call us or not. That right? Like there you go. That's it. And the podcast. We're done. That was fantastic. <laughs> All right, this is the Cyber Ranch, so we're going to do some Texas, y'all. My granddaddy used to say, I don't care what you call me, as long as you call me for dinner. <laughs> yep. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to interject one uh, new twist on that. I, I appreciate both y'all's perspectives on this one. I think that's really it, right? It, it matters when we're called, how we're called, if we're called, not what we're called. Um, but just to diffuse the entire situation, I'm going to say Kaiso. <laughs> That's my new one. Anytime I can get behind asks, that one. I'm okay it? with it. Kaiso, right? I'm going to emphasize the wrong syllable, harden the C. Like, I'm just going to do it completely wrong. Kaiso. It sounds very so. samurai. I like yeah, it. It does. It's got, yeah, it's it does. got some, do it's got some gravitas. Yeah. 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 Well, and if you saw the usual suspects, we could also take it to Kaiser Sose. Yeah. The, right? Right? 
Okay, here's the next big uh, tired topic of the, 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 the quarter, the year, the two-year cycle, whatever. It's the old uh, work from home versus come back to the office now that the, the big pandemic scare is over. Um, there's all the debate and all the uproar every day on LinkedIn. Somebody posts one on this one. Every day on LinkedIn, the two tribes chime in. It's got to be from home. It's got to be at the office. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I think door number three starts to get an even number of votes of, of hybrid as well. Um, you know, it's funny. I saw I, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and then I just saw another post that popped up on my LinkedIn feed. I think it was this morning. Twenty five thousand votes in four hours. Uh, only three choices, I think, or maybe four. Work from home, go to work, hybrid or other. And it's just full of comments. And it's like, this is an echo chamber. Uh, if if management hasn't figured out that you need some flexible, you know, there's certain jobs that you can't do remotely. And and that's part of the job requirement. Uh, and, and for everybody else, you know, if you want to attract the next generation of workforce, you've got to be 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 flexible. Uh, and so for then, then it's a matter of personal preference. Like people need to be in touch with themselves and figure out, uh, you know, how do you get motivated? How do you get energized? How do you find quiet space to focus and get things done. Uh, and that's a lot of that's trial and error. So you need a flexible employer that allows you to, to figure that out. You know, some people can work out, uh, in lift weights in their garage and some people need to go to the gym. And what I, what I watched during the pandemic is some people really needed to get to work. They needed that separation. They needed to leave the house. They needed a place to sit. They needed a different atmosphere and a different whatever. And I think that that's great. And a lot of people found hey, wait a minute, I'm not spending time commuting. I'm not spending time on going out to eat. I'm eating healthier. I've got more time with my family. I love this. And so I think the answer is yes, right? And and you said this, Rich. Where where I hope we get to is um, it used to be called row, work, no, results-oriented or results-only work environment. And the idea was, do you get your stuff done? Because the, the thing, I always feel like hourly work is antithetical to good work, in in at least in knowledge work. Like, did, did you did you spend 20 hours solving that problem or did you have 20 years of experience and you could solve it in an hour? And what I'd rather is, right, goes back to the outcomes. Do we know how to look at outcomes instead of outputs and, and you know, results instead of deliverables? And I think that that has to start to factor into how we talk about this stuff. Because, I mean, like, Alan, you're, you're getting ready to go travel. I, I wrapped up a trip last month. There are times it still makes sense to be in the company of somebody else. And when you're face to face and you've got a whiteboard and you're sitting around the table, there's stuff you can do. That said, the amount of things that we were able to do now with technology that even two years ago, we're kind of nascent. We're trying to figure it out. It's remarkable. I think that the challenge though, that we don't see talked about too often is when you move into a hybrid, how do you include the people who aren't in the room with you? And, and so that, so if you're in that room, are you, are you including other people and are they heard and are you hearing them? And if you're mm-hmm. external to that, how does that work? And if you're a person who really enjoys working from home and don't want to go get together with people, how are you part of that? And I don't think I usually bristles was like, well, it, it's a different type of leadership. Fact check false. Leadership is leadership. It means you have to understand these things, but I do think it means that you've got to consider your tool stack. And you've got to consider your cadences and you've got to consider how we do some of these things. So it's not so much whether we do it, it's, it's more like a, how do we do it? And so then it goes into, you know, some folks, they like to work at night. Some folks like to get up in the morning. Some, I think that what I've seen successful is you've got a boundary. Like, I don't know, everybody needs to be available between 10 and four. And we do some sort of a check-in. Does it need to be video? I don't know. 
Does it, does it need, I, I don't know. I, I think every team gets to define what works for them. Um, but then I guess my question is, especially if you're the security leader or the Kaiso, have you thought about this? Are, are you thinking about those tools? Kaiso, Kaiso. Are you, are you thinking about the tools? Are you thinking about the approach? Are you investing time in your processes? Are you learning from that process? Are you taking time to reflect on that? Have you asked the people in your organization, right? Because there's a big difference between, I mean, Rich, you're good coming to the office, right? As opposed to, hey, Rich, I really like working with you. Uh, so where do you find that you're working best? And, and Rich, if your real answer is, I don't know, then I say, hey, can I help you figure it out? You want to run some tests? Like, like Because if you want to attract good people <laughs> that, that are doing good work, help them figure out how to get better, right? So I don't know. I think we're going to go through some pendulum swings on this, and we're going to watch the balance as we keep swinging by. And hopefully, eventually, we, we get to some better better ways of doing this. I think you just distilled it down right there. Help people get better. Figure out what works best for that person and get that person in that track and that groove. I really think that's the answer. And and so that doesn't speak holistically to the big picture. It doesn't say we're doing this, we're doing that. We're we're taking it on a case by case basis, right? Personally, well, let me, I and thrive let me ask- working from home because I get up stupid early and I just get started and I can have my coffee and be at work at four, five, sometimes three thirty, whatever. I just get up early and go. It works for me. Now, let me ask a security question on this, though. Do we mm-hmm. have a security concern of this work from home versus work in the office? And and does that give us, right? And maybe this is a setup for our last conversation. Is this a conversation that we should feel comfortable having with our organizations? Is there a legitimate concern from uh, information security, cybersecurity, like, t- like pick, pick your favorite term. But, but I'm actually being serious as I'm being tongue in cheek. I mean, are, do we need to think about how this works differently? And does this impact our operations? I am going to throw a wrench in the works and I'm going to say, yes, there's a security impact and the solution is zero trust. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Kaiso. You have a vendor in mind for that? (laughs) (laughs) They're in the magic quadrant. They're using AI to do zero trust, I'm pretty sure. You you know, I'm glad, Michael, I'm glad you brought up uh, the row, uh, the results-oriented work environment. Uh, I think Best Buy invented it. It it sort of disappeared as a movement. Um, But, you know, uh, Sean Marion did a great job sort of teeing it up. So Sean, uh, now uh, CISO, Kaiso of McDonald's, uh, gave a great post on it, talking about how he used to run the investigations functions and how... um, it was pretty common for human resources to reach out to security and say, hey, can you run reports of what people have been looking at on the internet? Uh, and the, the, the question would inevitably, what what are you suspecting they've done? Oh, I just, uh, I think it's poor performance, you know, manage my people type investigations. As opposed to saying, hey, uh, human resource professional, you, uh, you've you helped managers uh, do goal setting uh, with uh, smart goals and key performance indicators and measurable outcomes and stretch goals and all those things that should make that first conversation just a moot point. Uh, if people are able to do this from home, uh, you know, some people can do things in their sleep that uh, the rest of us have to be fully conscious, conscious to do. Uh, and so that's just good, good for them. Uh, we shouldn't punish people for being being able to deliver with, with less effort. We should actually encourage it. Um, 
so so I I, uh, I I love that model, and I it just got me thinking about uh, the forcing function. So if everyone is doing their own thing, what's most comfortable to them? There's got to be some sort of forcing forcing function for collaboration. Call it office hours, call it mandatory hours, just because there's a synchronicity. You know, I think the goal and one of the things that a security leader can bring to that table is looking at for, at this as a systems issue and making sure that that the systems actually have controls to force things like synchronicity. Otherwise, the system falls falls apart. Well, um, well and it's a buy-in, right? It's an agreement. Hey, you can work from home and you can work the hours you want, but you're still part of a team. We're not a collection of individuals. If we're a team, then there's certain things that are expected of you. So it means we've got to update our expectations not just what people can expect of us, but what we expect of them. And if that doesn't fit, cool, find a different environment. And now a quick over-the-top Texas-style word from our sponsor. Howdy, y'all. Asset management for IT and security sure ain't easy. And our networks are fixing to get more complex. But I reckon there's a better way of doing things. And it starts with Axonius. Axonius helps you lasso everything in your environment. Devices, users, software, and more to provide an always up-to-date inventory, uncover gaps, and automate action. You want a free walkthrough of the platform? Head on over to axonius.com slash get dash a dash tour. That's A-X-O-N-I-U-S dot com slash get dash a dash tour. And I, I want to circle back, Michael, to something you said about the whole, if somebody's remote, are we including them? Um, and this is coming from somebody who spent 17 years in the UCAS space. The technology is not there. Uh, I did this for 17 years. I saw technology that could solve this problem, truly saw technology that could solve this problem, and the price on that technology was beyond anyone's reach. To, to actually truly feel like the person on the other end of the video call is part of the room and part of the thing, they make contained rooms within a room where the seating and the tables and the desks and the screens and the cameras are all prearranged at exactly the right sizes and dimensions. And literally, there are four or five people sitting on one side of a table facing a video wall of four or five people sitting on the other side of the table, life-size with the cameras hidden inside the screens, like absolutely elegant stuff. You truly feel like they're in the room, you're in the room, you're really collaborating, you're working together, there's whiteboard capabilities you can pull up, et cetera, et cetera. That experience costs so much money and anything shy of that. And UCAS has become commoditized shy of that, right? I haven't found a solution yet that makes me feel like the person, you know, everyone's been there before where you're the one in the meeting who's remote. You feel like you might as well not be attending, right? So I think we still have a technology challenge to overcome there. And even with the cost of that, a 250 millisecond delay, uh, speaking of synchronicity, is incredibly disruptive to to a conversation, to a relationship, just to the flow of a meeting. And mm -hmm. people can say, ah, you know, I, I was trying to get my word in. Uh, there was a slight delay, so I missed my timing. And I said, ah, screw it. Uh, let it go. Yeah, yeah. Or they interrupted one of the two, right? Right, right. So, yeah, fair point. So we've got some technology challenges, I think, still on our plates as well. But then it means we have opportunities, right? Like they're mm -hmm. challenges. So then like if, so then as security leaders, we can say, Hey, there's some technologies we'd like to try. There's some stuff we'd like to sample. I mean, I, the, I tell you the stuff I can build in my home office today to do video stuff and calls compared to what I could do five years ago, I can mm -hmm. do more now for less money. Now, is, yes. it, is it the whole telepresence? Can I No. Is it better? Yes. Am I seeing people pay attention to it? I was part of a tabletop on Friday where everybody at least had a microphone where they sat and I could hear everybody and I didn't mm -hmm. feel like I was completely remote. And I would say 
75% of the participants were remote and it worked great. I was really kind of okay. surprised how well it worked. So it's, so we're not, we're not like we're all in, in person yet, but then again, it, it, instead of bitching about it, right? If this is a tired topic, are we helping make it better? Are we setting different expectations? Are we talking about outcomes and, and, and work environment? Are we including people depending on their particular styles and choices? And are we championing technologies that might work? Because that's how we'll get where we want to be. Just to bring two topics together, right? So, uh, you know, high trust or the opposite of zero trust, whatever you want to call it. And, and, and that concept as a leadership style. I saw somebody, uh, a manager, this is a high trust team, maybe 12 people on the team. Uh, and every person uh, would submit uh, every day, and maybe they submit it once a week, but they would track it and submit it to their boss. What is my home stress like on scaled? What is my work stress? What is my energy available for both of those things? Uh, and, and the manager, you know, you can only do that in a high trust environment, but the manager would look at it and say, oh, man, uh, Michael's got some stuff going on at home. Hey, these two people, can you can you load balance cover for him? Give him some some space to take care of these things. And, you know, hopefully those things pan out and then it's the pendulum swings the other way. Uh, and the team can all see this as well. So so there's this this community that's caring for one another. Uh, I, I'm not sure if that model scales, but this concept of of um, of high trust management. Uh, I think is an opportunity that we could we could explore, and I think the outcomes, at least as this person testified to, were were phenomenal. Super mega ultra trust or smut. <laughs> <laughs> you first. You yeah. know, I like I like that team health idea, Rich. I wrote it down as a note, and because uh, I know we're gonna run out of time here, and so uh, I'm gonna we're gonna loop back and have that conversation because I've got thoughts on how it scales. Cool, great. Let's do that. I would love to see if that's scalable because I've used exactly those techniques, all joking aside. I have had that level of rapport and had that level of trust and had that level of camaraderie where all of us on the team have that level of trust and rapport and camaraderie. And you can do those things. You can say, you know, Tim's dog died today. You know, like, let's lay off a of Tim um, and whatever it might be. And folks are open to it. Folks are cooperative. Folks are treating one another like a tribe, not just like a team. Uh, there's a huge difference when when personal is allowed to enter in a healthy way, and I think that's huge. There you go. Tribal leadership. There you go. There's your title. There you go. I like it. I like it. It's a big, there's a big difference between a team and a tribe. So, yeah, Michael, definitely let's explore uh, scaling that. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, one last topic, gentlemen. This one is also one of my favorite tired topics. Uh, I'm the I'm the Kaiso, and I don't have a seat at the table. Wah. It's always accompanied by a wah. Always. Well, and it's accompanied with, and, and I demand it. When will people take me seriously when they give me a seat at the table? Did right. they? <laughs> it's not a furniture problem, just so, <laughs> so you know. <laughs> right? It's, it's, not, you know, it's not like we need to put a ticket into maintenance to get one brought upstairs. That's not the problem. Uh, right. it, this is a you problem. Um, it, and so – I guess there's a couple of things I would recommend to someone that's facing that problem. Uh, one is, you know, what's the culture of the company? Is it, is there a hierarchy? Is it, is it very rigid chain of command? Uh, and is there somebody that's in between you and that table? Um, does that person have the ability to invite you to the table? If it's one of the, you know, the, the traditional structures, maybe the, the, the CISO is reporting to a CIO and the CIO has the seat at that table, but they become a, a gatekeeper, an insulator, uh, and sometimes maybe an amplifier of a message, but you don't get to to offer it yourself. Um, then you need to have that conversation first with with that person on 
on the downsides of, of gatekeeping, uh, not only for your career, but for, um, for, for, the, for the risk management and the health of the company. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, I'm not a big fan of, uh, of we talked about the topic already of who CISOs report to and whether that should make a difference. I'm back to my quadrant, my, my FBI quadrant, right? You need to make sure you have a relationship with everybody that's in one of those seats at the table, uh, regardless of whether they're effective. Let's set that aside for now. But have you worked on cultivating those relationships bes- besides going through your gatekeeper person, your sponsor? That's perfect. That's perfect. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, it, it's sort of the same thing. Like, it's funny that Rich brought up the furniture problem because I always say to people, well, is it like, do you have a folding chair? Did they, did they carve space out? Like, how does it work? You know, the thing that I always look at is this. I, I think that this, this concept of a, of a place at the table, it's earned, not given, not granted, not assumed. And, and if you say, well, do other people got their seat? Yeah, because trust me, they, they earned it too. Because if they don't, they don't stay with the company. So the question is, are you delivering value? And is it recognized, right? Like I, I like to ask people, if you do something in security you're super proud of and nobody understands it, doesn't think it's valuable, did you deliver value? You can argue with me all day. The answer is still no. Uh, and that's harsh, but that's just the way that it goes. So here's the thing then. Do you want to be the security leader or do you want to be a leader who happens to know security? And, and I favor that second one. So when you look at that, now the question is, with this proverbial table, and I think Rich has got it nailed down. You know, it, it, are you sought out? Are you sought out because you know how to solve problems? Because you understand the business? Because you're the person that seems to have a knack for delivering that value, and you're doing it at a really good pace, and people like it, and they understand what you're doing, and you can stitch things together. Look, I've always loved security because we, by its definition, have to get our hands in everything. Yes. Now you can look at it negative and say, we're always blamed. Yeah, sure. Cool. Great. What a great opportunity to ask questions and learn and figure things out and understand perspectives. If you're in security today, but you don't know how the business operates or where the money's made or what the top three priorities are or how you've mapped to those, then I don't think crying about getting a seat at the table is the right strategy. I usually see that as a proxy for no one understands me, but damn it, I'm valuable, but no one's listening to me. What do we do? Yeah. Okay. Well then go be valuable. And, and, and if you're really in touch with your value, then it's not just a cry for, you know, Facebook likes, then did other people recognize it as such? And if not, then we've got to readjust that approach. If you're a valuable leader, you get recognized, you get invited to it. And by the way, I think being at that table, which means you get input in the product. It's not a, I'm in security, tell me what we're going to do and I'll figure it out. It's a, I'm in security, I know business too. Let's talk. Well, I'm not sure. Is that really the, like you get to ask questions and shape priorities and understand the nuance, which then means your team benefits from that? Oh, I think it's fantastic. I think it's deserved when you earn it. Yep. So, so there's, the, there's the homework for the team is uh, get an MBA. If you can't get an MBA, get an EMBA. If you can't get an EMBA, go read a management book. If you can't read a management book, spend a little bit of time on your investor relations website. Uh, or, or the equivalent, you know, whatever your, your strategic plans, yeah. uh, SEC filings, 10 Ks, 10 Ks, um, 10 Qs. Yep. And, and study that stuff and learn it and ask questions of, of the people in your orbit to make sure you understand and show, demonstrate that you're actually interested in becoming more of a business leader. I think you'll be surprised at the results. Yeah. And, and don't be afraid to ask questions, right? That's that to me, one of the best ways to forge a real relationship with another human, especially, you know, back to Rich's grid of who are the influencers or whatever. If you walk into their office, you acknowledge that influence and you ask questions. Hey, I can learn from you. 
you guys were talking about a PL, blah, 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 blah. What's a PL? You know, I mean, like, you know, to Rich's point, like if you can't get the MBA, it, you know, you can go to your local community college and take a course on finance, you know, corporate finance, corporate accounting. You can learn some basics really quickly and cheaply. Uh, read the management books. Ask the questions of the players who are already sitting at the table. And don't be afraid to ask questions. It's not going to reveal your ignorance. It's going to reveal your desire and your drive. Absolutely. You know, I, I just I know we're going to run out of time. There's this great quote that I've always loved by Zig Ziglar. You can get anything in life you want as long as you help enough other people in life get what they want. I love Got to figure out what they want and help them and then ask questions. I, I think it's a brilliant idea. I love it. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming back to the ranch. Thank you, listeners. Y'all be good now. 